Pulse 95 Live with Abdul Karim and Aisha. Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Center Sharjah. It is very rare to meet a Nobel Prize winner, let alone one in Sharjah. And here with me is Wale Soyanka, who was awarded the 1986 Nobel Prize in Literature. And reading his repertoire and reading everything that he has done in the past several decades would tell you that he has been quite active and has a lot on his mind and has a lot to say. And this makes me wonder, at what point did you decide that writing will be your medium to express all these various emotions and various feelings? Well, I've tried to explain that it came out of a very early love of reading, of just reading what I could find, laid my hands on. And of course, eventually, uh, it inevitable, one began to question the narratives, which one, you know, which one, even including what, what was taught, you know, the school. And there was always this tendency of wanting to tweak, tweak it a bit, you know, change it and see where the characters would land and so on. Uh, so it was quite early, but I don't think I took myself seriously as a writer until mm, until I left. No, 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 I think I was already writing short stories by in secondary school, I suppose. So it, it was an early thing, it was an early love. It, it, it came with readings and listening to other people's narratives and then feeling one wants to sort of tinker with it somehow. A lot of your writing has been in the, just the simplest word I could use is controversial. As in you had a lot of things that you wanted to say that a lot of people were not very fond of. Did you at any point feel that you should perhaps stop or slow down or did you use it as your weapon to use your voice and use your writing? as a way to express yourself and fight for what you believe in? Well, one always has a choice. Um, the instinct, the feeling that, look, I'm getting a little bit exhausted, you know, that comes often and often and all the time. Uh, but to stop writing completely, I would need to remove myself completely from my environment be in an environment which is totally neutral, that is, towards which my attitude is one of complete neutrality. In other words, it'll be a situation where I can watch two people clobbering themselves to death without feeling the slightest urge to intervene. I always dreamt of such a situation, but never really run into it. So, as long as uh, one has the capacity for human response and one uses language, you know, as a tool of communication. It's very difficult to stop writing. It is actually often said by a lot of people that during conflict, a position of neutrality is, I don't want to say cowardice, but sometimes you are actually standing with the oppressor or the person who is causing the hurt and the damage. So when you received the Nobel Prize for Literature, how did that feel and did you expect it? Did you see it in your dreams, maybe in your future? Oh, not in the least. In fact, you know that with uh, the Nobel Academy, there are institutions which 
are uh, considered, which are invited, and uh, whose nominations are accepted by the, uh, by the academy for consideration. And so my university, uh, I was teaching at uh, Yale at the time. Uh, in addition, I was a member of Presence African in Paris, which is also a nominating body. You know. And the, uh, the candidates on the radar and whom we presented at the time, I remember, were Senghor and Amy Cizere. Uh, there was no question of, at least not in my presence, Wolishwenka kind of being mentioned. And we were expecting one of those two to be the first black uh, winners of, uh, of the Nobel. So when the, when the uh, award came, I, 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 was, I was stunned. I found it very difficult to believe for the simple reason that my mind was not on it. Uh, in any case, uh, our mind has never been much on prizes. If they come, those are, that's lucky as a bonus. So, but it was, um, hmm, what feeling did I have when I stood there and I got that, uh, uh, hmm, I know. Ah, I think I also thought, hmm, at last I can build a house by myself. <laughs> and now that you've been a Nobel laureate for quite a while, now at the very beginning and up until now, did you feel that you have a reputation or something? You have a, I'm not going to call it a burden because burdens are usually um, thought of as something that is negative, but rather do you feel that you have something to uphold to, something like you have a mantle on your shoulders and you need to keep on upholding it and remaining as a, let's say a leader or um, somebody to look up to? No, I don't feel any sense of obligation because I won the Nobel Prize that I should take on either any special burden or existing burden in a special way uh, automatically, you know, of its own nature. One gets listened to more. But long before the Nobel, I was already, you know, shall we say a problem from numerous governments. I was already championing numbers of causes through my literature and through direct action and so on. So I just continued doing exactly the same, the same thing. I, uh, I think people should uh, remember that Nobel Prize winners are human beings and they have other lives, you know, there are other aspects of their existence and uh, not too much should be expected from them, uh, beyond what they were given before they became um, you know, laureates and so on. No, I, um, I, I don't feel any special. I think it's other people who impose <laughs> the expectations on you and, and who uh, sometimes provoke you, even uh, because you feel, why on earth do, do you expect... And I said, what, 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 you, what, you, what, what do you do you know, about situations like that? Must there be a Nobel voice? you know, for every crisis, and there shouldn't be. It should be a citizen response to the unacceptable. So it's a very confusing kind of a situation, but um, one manages to survive. And maybe this might be a, um, let's say the Nobel Prize might be a signifier that now you are suddenly being heard by the Western world versus the fact that you've been quite active and quite heard. And like you said, 
um, had problems with a lot of governments within the continent of Africa, and probably that could be some sort of commentary about how the world views the entire continent and the things that happen there versus when somebody ends up getting a Westerner prize, let's call it that if we can. Well, first of all, let me ask, uh, why single out the Western world? What? Uh, the Soviet Union, for instance, I have, uh, I'm a member of the, of the it's called the Vaidal uh, uh, Committee or something like that. We have been there a few times and we've discussed events in the world. Our leadership here in uh, the Soviet Union, quite extensive. Uh, and uh, China, for instance, there's China. China has just awarded me the Golden um, uh, Magnolia Prize for Poetry, which I'm supposed to go and uh, collect. So my leadership is not just the Western world. It's all, all over the place. The Arab world has been publishing me for some time, even before the Nobel Prize. Uh, I think it's because we seem to be physically closer to the Western world from the Africa being from our colonials, that people's minds automatically go to the West. Well, in actual fact, you know, from across Asia and so on, it, if I accepted, for instance, all the invitations which are was, which was sent to me to participate in conferences all over the world, I would have circumnavigated the world. I don't know how many times over. You know, it's, it's just the nature of literature and art in general. Yes could be as well, like I said, um, from the perspective that a lot of times we subconsciously, like you said, due to colonialism and other pasts and um, just the fact that the Western world ends up becoming the standard. And like you said, even though you did get a lot of invitations and a lot of uh, conversations with people around the world, it was only like what people believe that, oh, it's the Nobel laureate Wally Sayanka, not Wally Sayanka who has done this and this and this throughout his entire career and has won many things as well, even though those awards perhaps might be um, of higher caliber to your heart, perhaps maybe closer to your heart. But at the end of the day, it's just that the world is the way it is because of the way it is, basically. Yeah, everything which is happening in, in the world is happening to human beings. And the human beings are the, the, the material of our literature. Well, I cannot pretend, for instance, that I do not see uh, the violence going on in Ukraine. I cannot pretend that I do not see the violence going on in Palestine. Uh, I cannot pretend that uh, I do not see the violence going on in East Africa, even till today. The incursion of uh, the incursion of, a, a new, of new players on the world stage, some of whom think to, that it's their turn to, to colonize Africa. Why should the West have it all? And they just disrupt, you know, create a new round of a scramble for Africa. All those things affect us sooner or later. We take note of it. And uh, as writers, our primary responsibility, I think, should be to human beings not even to states, as far as I'm concerned, not even to ideologies or anything. And once you take that position, you find yourself drawn into all kinds of controversies in which you engage stoutly. The, what I always resent and what I always caution people against is that they should stop thinking that association with one side means being enemy of the other. 
and expect that one automatically lines up behind one or the other. Let everybody just treat their citizens, you know, like human beings, uh, and they will they won't hear a squeak from me. You know, but they don't. And I happen to be passing through, and somebody asks me my opinion, I will tell them, I don't care whether you think that makes me pro-West or not. That's a, me, what is happening there, what I see there, is aggression, is a recolonization, and this is something we have fought against on the African continent. It doesn't matter who's engaged in the, in the negative uh, conduct towards human beings. Our responsibility, our instinct, is to speak out on behalf of them. And writing is the weapon. Writing is the weapon. Holy Soyanka, this has been a pleasure speaking to you. You truly are a... Saying that you are a well of knowledge is an understatement. Honestly, I could not think of anything, perhaps an ocean of knowledge. That's the deepest uh, body of water that I can think of right now. And it's a pleasure having you at the Sharjah International Book Fair. And we look forward to the various events and panel discussions and chats that you'll be having here in Sharjah. Thank you. I'll still be here a few more days and I'm looking forward to slowly absorbing the, um, the exhibition, the books, and so on and so forth. Preferably unless there are not too many people around. <laughs> Pulse 95 Live with Abdul Karim and Aisha. Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Center Sharjah.